Welcome to the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. You can't be welcomed too many times, so I will add my own good morning. Good to see you. Would you pray with me? Loving, gracious, mighty God, you have indeed made Christ supreme in and over all things. So would you help us to keep our eyes on him this morning and each day we pray in his name, amen. Well, I imagine you have all experienced uh, bubbling up, overflowing joy, a sense of joy and excitement and gratitude that you just couldn't keep inside. I also imagine there have been times when if you were to list the, the feelings you were experiencing, the expressions of your heart, joy might be low on the list. It might honestly be hard to, to point to joy. We have those moments of struggle. There might be other times when you realize that somewhere deep inside you there's a joyful person, but it just seems hard to get that person to express himself or herself. I know for me personally, uh, especially if I'm feeling really physically sick, uh, there have been times I just feel so run down, so horrible, and even in the midst of that, I've recognized, uh, I found myself maybe like singing a little song inside, I'm like, oh wow, like deep in there, there's like a joyful person waiting to get out, and uh, so I've been re- looking forward to the day when I felt well enough uh, to express how I was feeling deep inside. We know there can be internal obstacles to the expression of the joy we feel deep inside us. But there could be external barriers as well. There might be things happening outside of ourselves and seemingly beyond our control that seem to put up a wall, a wall against any expression of bubbling up or overflowing joy or gratitude. There might be things that seem to wall against us being able to put our joy into words, into actions, into full expression that might make the idea of joy seem irrelevant or even ridiculous. And I think we can feel in that kind of situation all too often these days. We look at especially external circumstances. We hear about the economy, we hear about politics and division and polarization. We see the struggles within the Christian church. We see the heartache and hardship and heartbreak within our families among those whom we love. And it can seem difficult to express joy. Our gratitude can seem in short supply. We find our strength sapped, our joy tanks drained, and our perspective becomes narrowed on those things around us that seem difficult and challenging. It turns out this is not a new phenomenon. This is nothing new. People have been up against the walls that that barrier off joy for as long as humans have walked the earth, or at least almost as long. It's common for us to feel like joy might be irrelevant. Celebration or gratitude might be pointless given all that is happening around us. And we know that Christians are by no means immune to this feeling or to this phenomenon. And the Apostle Paul, as he wrote to the church in Colossae, knew that the Christians there, the young believers there, were going through this kind of situation where they had a lot of obstacles stacked against them, 
that might stand in the way of them being able to feel and express joy and gratitude. Paul had heard that this young church in Colossus, uh, he knew that it had been founded by a man named Epaphras. Epaphras had come to faith, had embraced the Christian faith as he heard Paul preach in Ephesus, and Epaphras went and founded this church in Colossus. But Paul had heard that they had already come up against some heretical teachings. People were challenging the gospel that they had been taught, trying to poke holes in it. They were being told that those things you believed, well, they weren't exactly right, or you need to know more. And so they weren't sure what to believe, as they were told the truth they had accepted wasn't fully reliable. They found their faith challenged. It was already difficult enough to be a Christian in the Roman Empire. Among their non-believing culture, they're facing headwinds then, there, and now they found that there was even a struggle against their supposed brothers and sisters in the faith. And so they ended up shaken and uncertain. And so Paul wrote this letter to them to encourage them and to teach them. And we just heard read a, a few moments ago a portion of the beginning of Paul's letter to the church in Colossus. In Colossians 1, we read, May you be strengthened with all power according to God's glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving thanks to God, joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so Paul's prayer for the Colossian believers is that God would strengthen them, that they would know that God is with them and for them. Paul knows that God has more than enough glorious might, as he calls it, to share that strength with his brothers and sisters in Colossus, to meet them in their moments of need, moments when they feel weak, frustrated, overwhelmed. And so Paul prays that God's power would be at work in them and that that power would result in their endurance, and that they would find their patience bolstered. Paul prays that his brothers and sisters in Colossus would be, would be encouraged and strengthened. And then he prays that they would give joyful thanks to God the Father. He prays that as a result of their strength being renewed and their patience being given a second wind, that they would find in themselves the ability to overflow with joyful thanks and gratitude to God. And in case they were wondering what they might have to be so thankful for and joyful about, Paul tells them straight out. He says, the Father has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his body, of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now in these 49 words you see on the screen, at least as we have them in our English translation, Paul really sums up the gospel. This is the gospel truth of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. And he reminds the Christians in Colossus of the truth they were taught and the reason that they have to rejoice and to give thanks to God. Paul reminds them that, that though they were Gentiles who had been on the outside looking in, having to, to see 
Good things come to the people of God, but finding themselves outside, they've been now brought in on the promise, the promises of God, and find themselves co-heirs of all the good things, all the blessings that God so graciously pours out to those whom God loves and calls by his name. They get to be co-heirs, and by the grace of God, they've been rescued from darkness. They're now named holy people in God's kingdom of light. And at the heart and center of this kingdom of light is the Son of God himself, Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus, Paul says, that the Colossians find themselves redeemed and their sins forgiven. Now, those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, who have come to Christ seeking forgiveness, looking for new life, we get to listen in on this letter. We get to hear these truths and receive some reminders ourselves. And my prayer is that as we see this gospel distilled into these words, we would say amen and be encouraged by these words. Because we're reminded that just like the Colossian believers, we have done nothing, nothing to earn God's favor or to deserve salvation. Nothing that might somehow achieve for us forgiveness for sins on our own. Paul's prayer is that these truths, for the Colossians, I believe for us, would have would have a natural outcome, that as these truths sink into us and find a deep rootedness within us, that something would then well up in response. And the response for, that Paul sought is that these dear brothers and sisters would find that they're rescued, saved, strengthened, redeemed, illuminated lives would be overflowing with joy and grateful praise to God. Not because their lives are easy. In fact, I'm sure Paul was very aware that life for these new believers was probably tougher than before they had come to know Jesus. Probably tougher than when they had just gone along with the flow of the culture around them. They were now called to something new and challenging. It was difficult and beautiful. And Paul invites his readers to examine their lives even in the midst of difficult living, to examine their lives and see within them the blessings of God, his gifts, his favor, because of Jesus Christ. And as we hear these kinds of invitations and joy, invitations to joy and thankfulness, we know that these kinds of reminders and invitations echo throughout Paul's writings in the New Testament. When he wrote to the church in Thessalonica, he instructed them to rejoice always to pray continually, to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Paul says that God's will for those who find themselves in Christ Jesus is that they should be filled with overflowing joy. They should be people whose lips are prayerful and whose hearts are thankful. Again, not because life is easy, Paul doesn't say give thanks for everything, give thanks for all circumstances. He says give thanks in all circumstances because of what you've been given through Jesus Christ. Remember, remember and celebrate that you've been given redemption, forgiveness, eternal life, abundant life on earth. You've been given a purpose in life. You've been given strength to live into that purpose and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can fulfill the mission that God has given you through his son. 
And so how does this kind of joy and thankfulness show up in our lives? If we truly are responsive to the gifts and blessings of God, what might our response look like? Well, I think part of that is what we're doing here this morning. We gather in worship. We gather to praise God and to give him thanks, to give him the worship that is due God alone. I think we express our thanks when we choose to see the image of God in every person we meet. Wherever we are, day by day, we choose to honor and thank God by recognizing his presence in those around us. We choose to thank God as we serve, as we make a difference in the world around us through acts of mercy and compassion and justice as we do the work that God has called us to. I think our hearts overflow in praise as we pray with all of our hearts to God, as we pour out our hearts to him giving him thanks, but also relying on him for everything we need. I think we express joy as we spend time with God, not just here gathered, but on our own, individually, devotionally, spending time in God's word and responding to it with our hearts and lives. And I think we express our joy and gratitude to God as as we give of ourselves, as we recognize what he's given us, and we give of the resources with which he has blessed us. This morning on this Stewardship Sunday, I'd like to spend some time, especially on on this last item, the idea of stewarding well the resources God has given us and allowing our use of our resources to, to become an expression, a joyful expression of our gratitude to God. I think our time, our time, our hours is perhaps our most valuable resource of all. Because once, it, once it's gone, we know we can't get it back. We can't turn back the clock. And time, unlike money, isn't something that we can invest hoping to get more back from. We might get more back on our money, but once our time is spent, once those 168 hours a week are, are done, they are, they are gone. That doesn't mean they can't be invested well and significantly and wisely, but it's a precious, fleeting resource. And so that's why I'm so grateful to all of you who invest your time, your time in so many ways here in our shared ministry and mission here at Bethany Covenant Church. So many of you volunteer in so many ways. Some, some are obvious as you lead ministry teams and do other things up front. Some are behind the scenes. Some are, are uh, more thankless or seemingly, but I want to thank you for ways you give in any way. You dedicate your time. You serve, you serve as you live out our mission to know God, to follow Jesus, to serve our neighbors near and far. You serve and help us do that well together, and I thank you for that. I think we'd find ourselves stuck, unable to accomplish our mission if we're not willing to to put in the time that's needed. I think we'd also find ourselves stuck, unable to move forward, at least the way we think God calls us to, if we don't participate fully in the giving of our financial resources as well. And when I speak of of generous giving, I'm not necessarily talking about a specific dollar amount. If we look at what scripture says about generous giving, it talks about, God's word talks about the overflow of a generous, thankful heart. Generous giving, according to God's word, is giving that's open-handed, that's quick to offer, quick to understand that what we've been given is a gift from God, a blessing from God that's meant 
to flow through us and be poured out for the benefit and blessing of others. And so I want to thank you as well for those who give generously, even sacrificially, to our shared ministry at Bethany Covenant. Now, if you've been with us for the past several weeks, uh, you know that we've been in a series called Jesus and. Over the course of several weeks, we looked at how Jesus interacted with the stuff of his daily life. So we looked at Jesus and, and religion and politics, pain, life, and death. Now, that series is over, but if we were to continue it today, we could have called this Sunday Jesus and Money. Because it turns out Jesus actually had a lot to say about our financial resources and how we handle our money, our physical possessions. In fact, when I Googled Jesus teaching on, the top search result was money. It was money ahead of prayer, hell, love, faith. Now maybe that's because a bunch of pastors have been Googling Jesus teaching on money. (laughs) It's entirely possible. But the fact is, if we look at Jesus' teachings in the four Gospels, we see he does talk an awful lot about about money, about finances. Now, here's an important disclaimer or caveat. If you ever hear someone say, now, Jesus taught more about money than X, Y, Z, whatever the topic is, it's possibly true, but there's a little asterisk there because you need to recognize that very, very often when Jesus talked about money, he used that financial language to teach about things that were beyond financial. Jesus often used money as a metaphor to make a point about our lives, about what it looks like to live lives of eternal spiritual significance. So Jesus used money language to point to things beyond money. Now, that being said, Jesus did clearly teach that it mattered to him what his followers, what his disciples thought about money and how they interacted with money, how they used their resources. It mattered to him. Here's just one example from the Sermon on the Mount, this sermon we looked at last week, this sermon that we said was Jesus calling people away from the din of everyday life to hear about what it means to live a life that's fully lived back down in the valley. Jesus said in Matthew 6, beginning in verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Time and time again, Jesus warns his followers, his disciples, don't get distracted by money. Don't get caught up in it the way the world is so prone to do. Recognize that money is just one of God's many blessings to you, one of the many benefits he gives you that might overflow through you to bless others. And Paul echoes this same sentiment in his first letter to Timothy, Timothy whom Paul mentored in the Christian faith as a spiritual father and as a pastor. In 1 Timothy 6, we read, The godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. 
Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires to plunge people into ruin and destruction. Do we have the next slide? Thank you. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves in heaven as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Now, I know that this morning uh, we have visitors with us, whether you're here in person or online, so a special welcome to you. And I want to give you permission now um, to maybe chew on those words uh, from 1 Timothy or or just kind of chill out. You can even zone out a little bit. That's okay. Um, Because I would like to specifically spend a few minutes uh, addressing folks in a family conversation, addressing those folks who would consider Bethany their, their home church, their home church. Because I recognize that we have visitors uh, that are, attend elsewhere or do not yet call this or any church home. And again, we welcome you. And so I invite you, if you're a visitor, to be, to be patient. This is a bit unusual to conduct, conduct a little bit of family conversation and, and business during a time like this, but I think it's important for us. I wanna let you know that as your pastor, uh, our reputation, our reputation together as a church matters to me. It matters to me what people outside of us think of us, but probably matters even more what people coming to experience us come away with as their sense of us. What's the reputation we have as people of God gathered here at Bethany Covenant Church? Because I know that together we, we believe that we're called by God to do some, some powerful, special things. We've been given a mission to make a difference here in our community and beyond. And so it matters what we're about. And it matters what people think we're about. It matters that it shows up in our words and what we talk about. It shows up in our decisions and in our actions. That we are indeed focused on our mission together, that we actually gather and work together because we're focused on growing and knowing God, focused on getting better at following Jesus, focused on getting more, having more impact as we serve our neighbors. It matters if people come away from their experience with us sensing or not sensing that that is what we're about as a congregation. And so given that, uh, it's important to me that people don't come away from their time with us at Bethany Covenant Church saying, oh man, that's just a church that talks only about money. There they go again, talking about money and giving and you should give more. Some churches we know have that reputation. I don't believe we do. But friends, I wanna let you in on some conversations that I've been having recently. Conversations with some, some recent visitors, with folks who are newer to us, And I wanna say that in the past several weeks, I've had no fewer than three conversations that went something like this, as people got to know us and asked questions about who we are as a church body. In those conversations, at least three times, this came up. 
seems like you guys never talk about money. So do you have like some sort of huge endowment? Like, are you just financially all set so you don't need to talk about money? And so I'll share with you what I told them. No, we don't, and so no, we're not. We don't have a huge endowment. We're not all set financially. We rely, we rely heavily and significantly on the, the faithful and generous giving, the regular giving financially of folks who choose to make this their home and who partner with us in mission and ministry. Every year this congregation passes a budget and a budget that's not just picked out of thin air, it's a budget that is built around our mission and what we think God is calling us to in the following year. And so our, our new uh, financial year will begin January 1st, so we're in the process now of beginning to build a budget for next year. It's a budget that we believe will allow us to accomplish the mission that God has called us to in 2023. And so the budget is built to support that mission. And then as financial contributions come in, we find ourselves empowered then to live out those components of the mission that that supports. And in almost every case, if we fall short of our budget goal, it will mean that somehow we will have to cut back on what we had intended to accomplish in that year. Now, many of you have already heard about how this year we are currently running behind budget. And as that word has gotten out, there's been a response. And I want to thank you. Some people have specifically, intentionally responded in ways that uh, they hope will help us meet that gap, close the gap and meet the deficit. So thank you. Thank you on behalf of, of all those who, who are leading the ministries that those dollars empower. Thank you. Today we have an opportunity to play a vital role in the development of, of next year's budget, the 2023 budget and planning process. Many of you I know received a letter explaining the process, received one of these cards that will allow you to consider prayerfully and thoughtfully your commitment for 2023 in terms of financial giving. These cards were designed uh, to lead you into a prayerful process where you decide with God what is it that you intend to give in 2023. Now we know that there might be people who, who write a number here and find themselves, for whatever reason, unable uh, to fulfill that, that commitment. We understand that. But I need to let you know that uh, these numbers are, are really helpful. This is between you and God, but it's, it's, if you turn in this card, you're letting us in on what you and God have decided to do together. And it's incredibly helpful information as we put the budget together for the next fiscal year. We want to be good planners and good stewards of what it is that God has given us. And our stewardship and finance ministry team does, does a ton of work. Our leadership team is gonna do a lot of work to put this budget together. And so what you share with us uh, is going to be helpful information. Uh, those who lead our finances seek to be transparent in what they share with, with you as a congregation. And this is a way, if you choose, to be transparent with us about your intentions for the coming year. And we deeply appreciate it. I should let you know that uh, in 2022, in the current budget year, we decided to keep the budget flat, stable from 2021. 
Now that was despite the fact that the uh, total expressed through these commitment cards this year was actually lower than we received in 2021. Uh, but leadership decided to, to move forward. Given the fact that giving now is uh, below 2021 giving, those who are putting together the next year's budget uh, are just not comfortable doing, doing that again. Uh, they believe that to be good stewards, to be wise uh, planners, the budget needs to be shaped uh, significantly around where we end up this budget year and on response that, that's given through these cards. And so we thank you for taking that opportunity seriously to help us put together a budget that we think will be uh, reflective of what God's enabling us to do and calling us to do in 2023. I want you to know that there's, uh, there's, there's no pressure to this. If you think you're hearing from me a sense of, of guilting you into something, uh, understand that you, that's not my intent. Actually, my intent in sharing this with you is that I think you wanna know. As I've talked to people about this congregation, I said there's such a spirit here that people care about our body. They would wanna know where we're at and what needs to happen uh, in next steps and, and what exactly is involved in the process of, of moving, moving forward, specifically with our budget for 2023. So this time I'd like to invite Pastor Chris up. Uh, I know several of you have already filled out and turned in these cards, thank you. You'll find cards uh, in the pew racks where you are if you haven't yet had an opportunity to fill one out. We're just gonna take a couple of minutes here uh, to give you some space to fill this out if you have not yet. And if you don't turn it in today, uh, if you get it in the next couple of weeks, it'll be hugely helpful for us. As you fill this out today, if you do, uh, there'll be a special basket at the back that's marked with the Forward and Faith campaign that you can leave that. Again, thank you for helping us, helping us put together a budget that um, we'll feel comfortable and confident moving forward into in the new year. And as you fill out those cards, I'll also invite our visitors to check back in now. Because I pray that for all of us, we would sense that God is leading us. For all of us who have placed our faith in Christ, we would sense that God is growing in us hearts of generosity, of gratitude, and of joy. I pray that more and more our understanding of the riches that are ours in Jesus Christ would, would so naturally lead to gratitude, to joy bubbling up. And if we find ourselves joy sapped, we return to those truths, to the heart of the gospel and recognize all that is ours in Christ through the grace and love of God. I pray that for all of us, our thankfulness would overflow more freely and in more ways than ever in the days ahead. I pray that for all of us, we would see that God is praised through our lives and because of our lives. By the grace of God, may this be so in Jesus Christ. Please pray with me. Loving, gracious God, generous God, we thank you for all that you have given us. We thank you for the riches that are ours through your son, Jesus. Would you help us to learn from him as, as he, we watch how he lived, 
as we listen to what he taught. Cultivate in us, Father, generous and grateful hearts. Fill us again with your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name.